Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast, conversations with creatives, entrepreneurs, thinkers, and dreamers who also happen to be surfers. My name's Imi, and I am your host. This week, I got to sit down for a chat with Alexandra Liaku. I must admit, this talk was an incredible cosmic journey through the mind, the body, and the soul. You could say Alexandra is a Greek goddess. She's an artist and a therapist who runs a platform called Soul Surfer. It's a place for people to find wellness through meditation, workshops and coaching. In fact, I had an amazing encounter with Alexandra. Almost an instant after having met, Alexandra and I were immediately connected. Just a few minutes into the interview, we were both in tears on either side of our Skype screens. And the outcome is a fascinating conversation about her journey and how her profession found her in a serendipitous way. Alexandra's story is an odyssey of healing. Without spoiling the whole episode, Alexandra had an incredibly traumatic experience that sent her into a severe depression. Years after drifting from doctor to doctor and from medication to medication, her super open-minded parents introduced her to a kahuna, a Hawaiian healer that took her under his wing. What followed was the introduction of surfing and healing through the ocean, and the ocean's love brought wellness back into her life and ultimately gave Alexandra a new purpose. Parts of this conversation left me speechless and gave me goose pimples, but I chose to edit out as little as possible. It was a really mind-blowing chat, and it's a bit longer than the usual one-hour format. So if it's too long for you, I really encourage you to take it at your own pace. And that's the great thing about podcasts. You can come back to where you left them. I would like to ask you to listen to this conversation with an open mind and an open heart, because we are about to explore some very philosophical and possibly spiritual topics. So without further ado, please welcome Alexandra Liaku. Hello, Alexandra, and welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast. How are you today? Aloha, and yes, I'm very well, thank you. I'm very stoked and grateful to be here. It's a blessing. How are you? I'm fine, I'm fine. The, the weather is glorious where I am right now, and I've had a lovely morning, and it's a pleasure to meet you. Likewise. <laughs> Before we start the podcast, do you think you could introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, super happy to. So my name is Alexandra, and I am the founder of a platform called Soul Surfer, and also the creator of a film series called Citizens. I am, I think, by human terms, a <laughs> a uh, young woman who is in utter love with everything related to water, ocean, and surfing. Ah, that's lovely. That's brilliant. <laughs> so maybe to get your backstory to sort of discover how you actually got to where you are today in creating your platform, we could go back to what kind of an environment, what kind of a family environment you grew up in. Happy to share. So I grew up in the diaspora of the Greek culture, so to speak, in Germany. And my parents were as generous as to take us every summer for quite a long period of time to Greece, to the seaside. So even though by DNA or on ancestral terms, I was always somehow connected to the water, for a long period of my life, I would spend on the dry shore and always just blossom whenever I would go back to the water. But I would say that the actual 
connection to surfing came way later. How did that happen? It happened very unplanned and uncalled for. It happened out of love, I would say. So there's a little backstory to it. At some point of my life, I was living and studying in England, and I experienced a very deep traumatic experience that catapulted my whole being state into just really checking out of my body, not being present here. And that made my parents become aware of, you know, something is up with our daughter. She hardly speaks. She hardly communicates at all. She doesn't seem to be aware of anything that happens around her. She needs help. So they took me back to Germany, where they are still based until today. And it was a huge odyssey of engaging with psychiatric institutions, mental health hospitals, and a lot of prescribed drugs, where all of us really saw, no, there's no actual healing here done. What this person needs is really to tap back in the root of what caused that state of being, that state beyond wellness, which we call illness, mm -hmm. a state we call disease, which is just another word for a state out of the ease. And I was so very, very fortunate that in that period, I have a younger brother and he realized that I had developed some point of agoraphobia. I was super scared to go out, to leave the house. I wasn't trusting at all. And I was continuing to not fully verbally communicate with my surrounding. And so he knew that because I was a film graduate, he knew my love for film and he would bring DVDs home every day. He said, if you don't want to go out to the world, that's okay, but I'm going to bring the best of the world home to you. And I was diagnosed back then officially from Western doctors to have had a psychotic manic disorder and a depression. So in the state of depression, I couldn't really feel for many years any type of joy mm. and no real sensation of excitement. And it wasn't until my brother brought Endless Summer in DVD <laughs> home. And there was the first time in years where somewhere around my belly, my solar plexus, I could feel a very light tickling, a gentle awakening to actual joy and I looked at my brother and I just pointed out my hand and I pointed out to the screen and he looks at me he said you want to do that yes and I just nodded my head and started crying to have found something again that would bring meaning to my life but it didn't happen instantly after that it was just so to say a wake-up call and my parents and I'm so grateful to this day for that are super, super, super open-minded and liberal when it comes to different methods of healing. And during that time, parallelly with the whole DVD viewing, there was way before Netflix and everything like mm -hmm. that, they would bring home shamans, natural medicine men and women, healers from any type of culture. Wow. And I remember we had an imam, we had a, a Sufi elder, we had a woman who practices healing arts with a Yeshua energy. We've also had a kahuna at home. What's a kahuna? A kahuna is a wisdom keeper 
from Hawaii. Wow. Huna meaning the sacred legacy, the, the mysticism, the wisdom of Hawaii, of the Hawaiian culture. And he came home and he saw me and I saw him. And it was a sensation of remembering, remembering in terms of this being in front of me is not new. I know this being from somewhere. And he looked at my parents and we were all sitting in a circle and he opened up a sacred ceremony with water. And he said, your daughter is not ill. Your daughter is not crazy. It's just that in your culture of Western perceptions right now, you don't have the capacity yet to embed a person going through these states with understanding and compassion and realizing that this person is merely in a different state of being, which doesn't mean she is not functioning or she is forever ill or she needs to take medication. And that allowed me for the first time to feel seen, to feel understood and to feel an ease. And this is when my actual journey started into the healing arts wow. and into understanding how many ancient indigenous tribes and cultures have such a deep holistic perception of the human being and of the interconnectivity of body mind state nature mm. nature never being outside of us never being disconnected from that to basically invite me to learn from him and with every learning healing took place and it was all based on heart understanding on the heart perception which is a different level of perceiving and engaging with the world than when we only come from the brain hmm. when we only come from a mental state of you know evaluating things measuring things analyzing things because the brain in itself is a yeah if you want it's um it's an organ which is very powerful, but at the same time, it's polar. It has a right and a left side. But the heart is a unity type of organ. And it's also the first organ that is being created when we are in our embryonic field. Of course, yes. And because of this kahuna, I then got to experience the healing form, the spiritual experience the engaging with the lovemaking of Mother Nature and the ocean that we call surfing. That is an amazing story, Alexandra. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sort of gobsmacked with the, the whole experience because it's, it moves me so much and the way you tell the stories is just amazing. And how did that manifest in terms of what the learnings were, what the process of actually going through this training with this kahuna Thank you so much. I feel you are so deeply compassionate and it's just a full open heart. And just, it's a beautiful soul surfing we're creating here right now. Yeah, absolutely. So just to clarify, your question was for me to invite me to specify more some, some values that I learned. Yeah, to walk us through the whole sort of process of learning and what you learned and the teaching of what a kahuna actually has to 
transmit in terms of knowledge and skills and things like that? I mean, what was the process? The process began with embracing at first, embracing what is and not judging, embracing that any experience is just like a wave is comes, but it culminates in a moment and then goes again. But it's never not the ocean, right? So it's never not life. It's never not being alive. And that understanding of not being judgmental to extend that also to our very self. We often treat each other in our society with a certain mode of appreciation and courtfulness. But when it comes to our very own self, when we were to observe our self-talk every day, there are some really harsh stuff we're telling ourselves. And if we were to speak this way to our children or our parents or our loved ones, they would be really hurt. (laughs) And I got aware how often I was hurting myself and how I was not in a state of loving or compassion to my very own self. And the Huna culture, the Huna legacy also consists of learning that you are not just a sheer entity that is individually present here, disconnected from everything around you. You are at least the latest answer, the latest outcome of a lineage of ancestors to at least seven generations up. And that's what modern science says right now, is that our DNA is intrinsically connected also to seven generations up. Wow. Does that mean that there's no question about there being afterlives and reincarnation? I mean, is is that the sort of the theory and the paradigm that follows that sort of learning? I personally witnessed so many wonderful experiences when it comes to reincarnation, when it comes to meeting young children who could specifically tell me and my elders what they remember from the previous lives. And we dug up that place that they mentioned and we realized, yes, what they were sharing can be seen until today. I've also had these experiences when I was invited to do past life healing regression therapies, where you are in a trance state visiting past lives, where, for example, I went to an ancient site in Greece. And then in this life, I went and revisited that place and I knew exactly where everything was and I hadn't seen it in pictures. So that in my perception, my worldview, I have given myself the permission to be convinced that that exists, but by no means am I imposing that that is the ultimate truth to anybody else. I think that's something very personal and intimate to think about. I meant the ancestral lineage is more your unique expression of your livelihood in this very life, in your body, in in your mindset, with the lineage of what you called forth in this lifetime, you know, from the parents that you came from, from the parents that they came from, and so forth, that that is still speaking through you until this day, and that there is a huge power in embracing the ancestors that came before you, and also, though, There is a huge release of 
pain and trauma and hurt, when we were to bring in love and understanding and light and forgiving, forgiving, here the word is very special, right? You give something forth to everyone who came before us. And when we then realize that if we were to date this back to mankind before the actual official historical stories that are out there, then it only makes sense that, especially also in Hawaiian culture, you call elder men the uncle and elder women the auntie. It's that we are all related. We are all related. And this brings me to the awareness that when we tap into the ocean, when we tap into the water, and biophysicists claiming that the water has memory, yes. the water has the capacity to store information, then I don't know if you feel this way, I'd be interested to hear, but every time I dive into the waters, no matter what kind of waters they are, I feel I'm diving into the fabric of all that was before us as well. It's a mind-blowing statement. And I've looked up, I've done research on the memory of water because in one of my businesses that I created, I sold these water bottles that restructured water based on Professor Emoto's Yes, amazing. <laughs> so maybe for the listeners, we can actually elaborate on who Professor Emoto was and what he discovered. Uh, that would be really interesting if we could just have a little parenthesis on that. It would be really interesting. Super happy to. Do you want to share or do you want to do this a dual thing? We could do, do it a dual thing if you want. <laughs> Super happy to. So what I came to research from the works of Dr. Masaru Emoto, a Japanese researcher, is that he wanted to prove that water is a living form. It is a consciousness in its own element. And the way he did it was with beautiful different uh, methods that some of them we can actually do at home do you want to share some yeah. of the methods when i was running i used to run a organic food business online and you're full of surprises uh, <laughs> yeah this is when when i got back from bali i decided to import lots of products and after importing lots of products from bali i had some trouble with the supplier so i decided to diversify the products and i went for a, a walk about it an organic trade fair in Germany, actually, in Nuremberg, which is Biofach. And I found these guys from Czechoslovakia who were selling these water bottles called Flaska. And it was just completely mind-blowing. And any sort of normal person would have just walked past it thinking, oh, this is a hocus-pocus kind of thing. <laughs> but it was really interesting. So I got a few of these bottles, the glass bottles that had been programmed to actually reproduce the organic structure of water when it comes out of a spring. So basically, if you leave your water in this bottle for five minutes or so, it actually has time to restructure the water through vibrations that have been programmed into the glass. The tap water that you put in it becomes similar to the structure of spring water that has been meandering down a stream and has followed an organic path rather than a sort of straight line and a corner kind of path in a tap system mm -hmm. in a plumbing system mm -hmm. and I was finding it very difficult to explain to my customers why it was really good to have these bottles the taste was just amazing so you'd put the tap water that had a sort of taste of chlorine and it would be really really kind of 
dry in the mouth and you know the whole sort of the limestone and things like that it was all sort of clumped together and you could really sense it and after going through this bottle for five minutes the water tastes completely different and it was like drinking Evian water or you know all sorts of very posh mineral waters and so that's how I sort of really sort of researched on the the memory of water and so it leads me to the story of what Professor Emoto discovered the fact that water had a memory and that he would in fact, photograph crystals of water that he had expressed emotions to. So the first ones would be, for example, love and caring. And he'd talk to these volumes of water in a love and caring way, and then he'd freeze it and take a photo of the crystals. And he'd do the same and insult the water. And in fact, there's also experiments of the pot of rice that you can mm. insult and the, and the ones that you sort of care about. And... The difference between the crystals of the water that was loved is a, just a perfect snowflake crystal. And the water that was insulted is this horrible kind of icky, weird shape of, you can't really sort of determine what it is, but it's just something that looked like pain in the photo. Oh, well said. Mm, yeah. And it was just a really, really mind-blowing experience. And bring us back to our conversation about the fact that water has the memory. Well, that was... Basically, I guess this guy, sometime in the 90s, he's actually proved that water does have a memory and it does transmit feelings and it does transmit all the emotions. And so I'd like to just transpose that back into surfing because, or surfing or your relationship with surfing, because I guess with all the things that are going on in the world, how does the water actually cope <laughs> with all these sort of polarized views and polarized situations where the fact that we're degrading the planet and we're sort of throwing loads of rubbish and plastic and pollution into it and how can we still feel that how so well when we're in the water what is your opinion on that kind of feeling that we have when we are immersed in the water that's such a beautiful question <laughs> by the way i love what you said about you can see the pain on the structure it's beautifully said, beautifully said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's what the research of Dr. Motor has proven and also of other research scientists, marine biologists, for example, as well, is that water in itself, and that's probably the beauty of it. If you can store a memory and if you can change the, if you can embrace, let's say, the vibrational information that enters you, then even from a very unhealthy place, you can create health again. From an illness, you can create wellness. From a state of disruption, you can create flow again. And that's what I learned is that, yes, we're treating the oceans horribly, most of us. Our consumer behavior is affecting the oceans so negatively on the one side. And that's why I'm grateful you pointed out the polarity here. And on some level, I also observe how Mother Nature, how the big Moana, the big ocean, is catapulting that harsh treatment right back to us until we become aware more and more of what we do and how we act. And my understanding is that what if, though, we treat the ocean the way we treat ourselves? which way we treat each other, you know, in a state right now, maybe a bit still away from love, from compassion, from connectivity. And 
some experiments conducted, especially with the waters affected from the Fukushima incident, where Dr. Emoto and his crew, and by the way, the same experiment has been conducted by some beautiful, outstanding universities in America and in Canada as well, is that the research teams went to waters which were very negatively affected from pollution or from radiation. And they took a sample and they placed a prayer on that water sample. They placed a lot of heart-sourced energy on that water sample. And they then froze that and froze the part of the water sample that has been taken out before just to state the differences before and after. And for the listeners, you guys can look that thing up also online of the beautiful visualization of those water crystals, what had happened before in terms of contaminated water and also after the praising and the cleansing of it. And there is such a beautiful difference to be noted, to be seen. And so I realized the water is forgiving. Mm. And the water has the capacity to transform in terms of alchemy also from a very low vibrating state to back to life, to back to shining radiant life force. And we can do the same thing with ourselves, the same thing with our bodies, the same thing with our friends. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, we are 70% water anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, we're 70% water. And every cell, though, if you just break it down to one cell, is 99% with water. It's water based, it's a water based molecule, every cell. And what made me so deeply like the, the mind-blowing, the soul-blowing epiphany that I was granted when I tapped into the water and I started learning to surf, which I think was an act to prove to myself that I can outgrow what had happened to me. When I tapped into the water, when I entered the waters, I felt I'm entering a body, a life body, a life body that is so ancient and so forgiving and so loving that she can show me the way to heal. And she did. She showed me the way to heal. First of all, to start trusting in myself again, to start trusting that nobody else on the lineup can tell me better for my perception, for my body, when the wave is arriving than my own intuition. Mm. Yeah. Nobody can teach my own body better when I'm actually when to realize that there was a moment where I experienced fear and my whole body got tense and my muscles got tense and I fell off the board and got smacked. <laughs> <laughs> or when I was in trust of the wave picking me up and surrendering. Yeah. And that is when my, especially body-related traumas, which were that of, of a rape, could be kind of caressed away from the ocean's waves not necessarily that I felt, okay, the rape never happened to me, but the way I identify with myself became not that anymore of a victim who has suffered rape, who has suffered sexual violence and abuse, but more of a creative, vibrant being who can dance and make love to the ocean and this is the definition I started to choose to identify myself with. And then the fear 
of having the situation repeated on the shore, the harshness, the sexual violence was eased because I told myself, hey, you battled for your life and you surrendered to Moana's, to Ocean's wisdom and grace and love and harshness at times from two meter waves to three meter waves. And that gave me so much confidence mm. on how to confront these type of situations on shore. That's amazing. It's truly an amazing story. And it's so inspiring. It's so inspiring for all the people who are suffering today and who need that kind of solace. So this whole kind of journey, actually finding the ocean, finding solace in, in the ocean, how did that orient you to sort of make it into your whole job? I mean, there's a personal experience there, which is a really personal kind of thing. And how did you find out that you were really made to help others? That's such a beautiful question. And by the way, for the listeners, sorry, I'm also kind of moved to speechlessness in a bit because, <laughs> you know, to meet a person who is so receptive and has the capacity to truly see someone, this is when I feel that healing takes place in so many different forms. Oh, by the way, for what it's worth, I just want to mention and underline that the term healing to me never implies a weakness or a lack of something. It's often to me interrelated with the term holing to become whole again. And wow. every single being has that capacity if we only allow to let the light crack through where the pain entered us and to see, you know, what's in my core. What is actually there if nobody's watching, if I don't have to be anything for anybody, if I can just be. And this is also, by the way, to me, something that the ocean reminds us of. No matter who you are outside on the shore, what you have proven yourself or society or what kind of, I don't know, stuff you've created, that's all cool. But to the ocean, she doesn't care. Mm -hmm. The only thing she cares is how you treat yourself and how you treat her. And there's so much humility happening in that moment. I also realized that when I was in the ocean that I just forgot to mention that. And then I'm super happy to engage in your other question. I just wanted to round that off with the healing forces of the water is that the ocean, when I was rocked, and I feel that a lot of surface can relate to that, the sensation of being gently rocked, it felt like I was allowing myself to be a baby again mm. and being gently rocked in my mother's arms and loved. And I only found out just recently when a woman is pregnant, the water that surrounds the embryo dun, da, 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 dun, roll, <laughs> is, is salt water. Yes. I did not know that. You are a mother, right? Yes, yes. I didn't realize that as well, but it makes total sense now. <laughs> so you brought your children to this earth through water and ocean first. Yes, of course. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is. We're so much more alike with nature than we ought to think. We're never disconnected ever but but sometimes we forget how connected we are and then it's when usually the presumed illusion of separation and loneliness emerges but we're never actually disconnected and mother nature knows this she knows that that's why 
for me, what she represents is unconditional love. She knows this so much, and yet she's there giving us, loving us, supporting us with her resources, with her presence. So it's up to us how deeply we are deciding to honor her, to value her, to nourish her, and then each other as well. And I think this is also what led to the creation of everything I do, either the platform Soul Surfing or the film series I'm, I'm about to create right now. All has been induced with those beautiful experiences that the ocean has granted me with, who in the end, I would say, is my biggest teacher. And so the one aspect when it comes to soul surfing is that I realized, okay, this hasn't happened to you out of sheer coincidence. There is something deeper there. There is something that might add a value to the lives of others. And this is also what the Buna elder told me. He said, you're not sick. In our culture, a person undergoing similar symptoms as what you've been through is usually what we coin as the initiation rite, the initiation rite for somebody to become a healer. Wow. When I heard that, that to me was like, you know, being knighted in a way. <laughs> it took me years to embrace that because I also realized how much responsibility comes along with that. Of course. And when I opened myself up to that path, when I gave myself that permission to walk that path and to offer the tools and the knowledge and the techniques I was granted with for my own healing, I also realized, no, I personally, as a being, I cannot heal anybody. I don't have the audacity to believe that I can heal anybody. I may only open the space, both mentally and also physically, for someone in their own journey, in their own unique journey, to offer them the techniques so that they can embrace healing within themselves and through their own healing abilities. Mm, wow. Yeah. So you're basically opening a portal or a gate or something to actually enable people to heal themselves. Yes. And with healing here, it might be something as simple as having a peace of mind or experiencing love for our very self, for our families, overcoming fear, overcoming a certain psychological trauma. So I work in forms of workshops and forms of public speaking and online programs. But my favorite work is to host one-on-one -on -one coachings. Mm -hmm. And um, those are always induced with zero judgment. I'm not going to judge what you've been through, how you relate to that. I'm only going to place some questions to invite you to the quest of experiencing yourself, reflecting upon yourself and immersing maybe or fusioning sacred indigenous knowledge that was passed on to me. It was never actually really written down with later state of research in terms of neurology, neuroplasticity and a beautiful, beautiful state of Western medicine that we call epigenetics. Oh, what's that? Sorry, that's a... 
<laughs> What's epigenetics? So epigenetics is the understanding that mm, contradicting to what DNA scientists and researchers used to claim decades ago that the DNA is static and is fixed and cannot be changed, that no, it can actually be reprogrammed. You can actually, you don't, if, for example, your parents or in your mother's lineage, there has been a cancer experienced from the whole feminine, you know, lineage. Your mother might have had it. Your grandmother might have had it. It doesn't necessarily mean that if this information in your DNA strand has been passed on to you, that you will experience it. You have the capacity to reprogram that DNA information into the state of wholeness, into the state of creating ease out of disease. Mm. So it's basically the understanding that nothing of our genetic pool is a fixed state. That's right. Similar as with, yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's liberating. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And with your, I don't know if you can call them patients or your students or your, I don't know what you call them, but do you sort of go through meditation sessions or how do you actually sort of help them help themselves? So meditation is one vital tool, absolutely, because meditation allows us to surpass the monkey brain, surpass the very loud and questioning mind and judging mind often and or brain, so to speak, and enter our state of consciousness into our state of subconsciousness. Everything we perceive in life, if we take the 100%, the 90% is witnessed by our subconscious and stored there. And only the 10% we are actually consciously aware of. So I'm inviting them to dive into the ocean of their subconscious and observe or share then what they've observed and also start implementing healthy or loving impulses into the subconscious because the subconscious is the generating motor and whatever we think daily whatever we say daily is just an evolution or just a reflection of what is actually happening in our subconscious wow and so meditation is one very vital tool that I'm that I'm offering and to some clients, for example, I've worked also with a lot of athletes in the German Bundesliga, like soccer players or runners or basketball players. There we have really used the aspect of mindfulness and the aspect of meditation to tap into just beautiful mind power and to have them source endurance and freedom from that. Wow. And so sometimes I'm really just offering meditation as a technique that is applicable for everyone in mm -hmm. everyday kind of use. And it's also non-dogmatically. It doesn't follow any certain religion or anything like that. It's often actually very much inspired from nature and water as well. I collaborated with the Parley and Adidas, and we created a... a I'm willing to share that with as a gimmick for all our audiences <laughs> if they want. It's an ocean-based meditation. And the other way of working is really to just hold the space, to just be there and listen and have some psychological enriched, so to say modern psychology methods that I've learned along the way, but also paired with that loving setting of the elders that has been passed on to me. Yeah, real 
cosmic kind of experience as well. It's incredible. And you were talking earlier about the fact that we're always in our brain and in our heads and everything, and that we really need to use our heart a lot more. And I guess using the heart is also sort of being intuitive. And Mm -hmm. how would you kind of encourage us to rely more on our heart rather than our, our head? What do we have to do to sort of relieve ourselves from what's going on in our head? You're full of beautiful questions. (laughs) (laughs) So my encouragement would be to ask the audience the question, beloved being, do you remember the last time that you felt truly alive? Do you remember the last time that you felt everything made sense? Do you remember the last time you were in utter joy of your experience? Maybe, and hopefully, it was the last time you surfed. It was the last time a wave just lifted you up and gracefully moved you. If you do, then that, that sensation is the heart-based sensation. That sensation you can actually feel and implement in your everyday life. Sometimes easier, sometimes by overcoming a certain challenge. But it's always there. Mm. And it's with our allowance to breathe into our heart, with our allowance to no matter what conflict is in front of us, to navigate our awareness from our brain to that of our heart. There are beautiful meditation techniques that allow us to do that for the beginning. And later on, it becomes automatic kind of practice in everyday life. One way to observe where you are at is that, let's say you're about to make a big decision and you are, you know, pulled from one direction to the other, overthinking and probably not being able to sleep and asking other people for their opinion and then weighing out the options. That's all cool. But that is a beautiful reflection of how much we are just in our brain state. And why I'm saying this is because our brain, to every yes, there is a no. To every plus, there is a minus. This is the polarity thinking. So rarely do we get just generated from the brain a complete answer in itself. There's always something to criticize. Mm. But our heart is that indicator of when we experience something or when we're being offered something where there's this instant reaction to hell yeah hell yeah and no second thoughts that usually is the heart's answer and chances are you are never steered wrong Mm. when you listen to that calling that's fascinating that really is and it's it's great advice like you know just go with your instincts and your impulse um that's that's really good that's um Excellent advice. And I think um, what what we'll do is we'll put in the show notes um, of this episode, we'll put in all the details to how to, um, first of all, your your meditation um, recording so that people can actually experience what it is to have a meditation session with you, but also all all the links. And I I just wanted to know um, exactly what what the Soul Surfer program is all about. Um, What do you put in that under that term? 
super happy to. So many people that are listening, I'm sure you guys heard of the film Soul Surfer, which is that amazing story of this woman being, being overcoming her trauma um, from having, bit, having been bitten off her arm with a shark attack. But funny enough, this is not where the name for my platform, for my platform has been generated from. It has been more generated from the experience of embracing all these values and my state of being when I'm in the ocean to the shore and mm -hmm. to the way how I want to surf through life. If I were to take that analogy and imagine that my soul or my mind or my heart is a, is a surfboard and life is the ocean, then I can engage with having, you know, seeing proactively how a challenge could be that analogy as being a wave, you know, and I may not be able to stop the waves, but I can, I can tap into my sheer um, freedom of deciding how I'm going to relate to that very wave that comes to me. Will I dive under and hold my breath and let it, you know, know though that it too shall pass? Mm. Or will I gracefully try to ride it? Or will it even smack me down? But in that process, I can, I can be invited to this beautiful enriching lesson that that becomes part of my existence mm, yeah. and if I surf through life I can also see that everything that happens doesn't happen to me it happens for me it happens so I can grow it happens so that I can experience how interconnected everything is and how I am inviting or establishing in my inner core a certain flexibility of being. That I am not my emotions. I am not my thoughts. I'm experiencing a certain emotion. I'm, ex I'm witnessing a certain thought. But I don't have to identify with that. And so that kind of dance with life um, is what to me is a soul surfer, that at some point you can become that Jedi who no matter your circumstances, you will be, you know, having that inner alignment with your core and knowing that you, some people can call it life, others the divine, others your higher self, no matter how you coin it, that there is a driving force always guiding you with love. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. That really is beautiful. And, and it's so true. It's like, um, I love, I love that philosophy and to sort of use the analogy with the ocean and, uh, and, and how, how we navigate through it, through our lives. It's, it's just beautiful. Um, you say that you've been, uh, you're, you're working on some, uh, um, some films, um, do you yeah. think you could tell us more about them? Because this is really exciting. Super, super, super happy to. Um, this is actually my my baby, my my way of giving back to to Mother Earth and and to the Great Moana that is the ocean. Um, in my quest of becoming whole again and experiencing what the ocean 
teaches us, what the ocean is offering us. I thought, you know, what if I could give back, not necessarily by preaching all the bad things that are happening in our environment right now, and that it's, you know, the last minute and that our climate is completely destructed. What if I could paint a picture that is saturated with the excitement and the zest for life and the appreciation for this magical entity that is the nature? And I realized, you know, having, having a background as a filmmaker, I realized how I wanted to do a film telling the, he, the stories of the healing powers of the water on many different levels, on a psychological level, on a level of mental health, on a, a level of society, and cultures, and history. But then I realized, wow, there's so much information here. You know, I met some beautiful, beautiful, remarkable beings that have such inspiring stories from people who you know, enter the waters surfing and really grasping the arrival of the wave with such a perfection, even though they have never been granted with eyesight, for example. Wow. Or of a tribe um, on a very remote island where the women are standing in the water making music with instruments generated for the water. Wow. Stories such as that to me were so remarkable. And also after conversing with my mentor, who also authored the book, The Blue Mind, Dr. Wallace J. Nichols, um, I realized, okay, this is a series of stories. And even though I wanted, you know, I'm a cinephile, I love anything cinema related, even though I wanted that production to take place in the cinema, I realized there are so many stories to be shared. I would like to stretch that and make it from a short board to a long board in terms of making um, a series of episodes where every episode, yes, rotates around the healing forces and the transformational powers experienced through the forces of water, but every episode kind of highlighting one major aspect. So it, it, you know, it draws from um, mental health to female empowerment to even racism to ancient cultures and, and water, mysticism and water, but also um, neuro, neuroplasticity like neurology and water. And uh, so that's that's my undertaking right now. I'm in the, the funding stage, mm -hmm. and I'm excited to travel the world with a great team and, um, yeah, to sit down with people and have their stories being shared so that ideally the viewers could fall in love again with nature and then hopefully treat her better. Yeah, that's beautiful. That sounds so exciting, such an exciting project. And so what's, what's the... Um, um, What's the, the, the roadmap for this, uh, this series to come out? So the roadmap would be that I 
once the funding has been uh, is through, that I start in Greece, where my personal story commences. I, um, as as I already stated in the beginning, I'm of Greek heritage, and I would like to honor my ancestors in doing so. And ironically enough, I last year I went for my research for this film. I went to the sacred shrine um, that is devoted to the god of waters and oceans, to Poseidon. In Greek, it's Posidonas. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is around 50 kilometers away from the, from the center of Athens. And it's built on a cliff. And it overlooks a huge bay area that kind of connects the Aegean waters with the Ionian waters. So it was a very beautiful point to truly see who's coming in and what the water brings in. And there's very, very, very intense energy happening there. Mm-hmm. And um, I took a, I did a prayer there just to honor also the, the, the God of the waters, Posidonas, for having contributed to my healing and having invited me to so many beautiful insights and connected me also with such a vibrant, loving community of, of mermaids and mermen, if you want, of surfers and, and deep sea divers and whatnot. And the next day, I went to a farmer's market. And while I was passing the stands, there was one stand that kind of, you know, gravitated me to its direction. And I walked up to it. And I remember was selling salads and and strawberries. And there was nobody on that stand uh, but a, a a white truck. And I don't know... I didn't know at the beginning what was, you know, that thing that called me forth. And at some point I saw this head coming from the backside of the, the white van in, in front of the stand. And it was an elder man with white, curly, huge hair, like this lion's mane of this hair and a white beard and shimmering blue, crystal blue eyes. And my heart stopped. And I'm like... This is Poseidon. This is him, like it pers- personified, and and I was just in awe. And you know, this dude, being a farmer, he just sees this this woman in front of him, speechless, and he's like, uh, "I never saw a woman so fascinated by fruits. What is it that you want?" <laughs> I'm like, it's, "It's not the fruits that I'm fascinated by. It's you. What is your story?" And and actually, he comes from Crete. And um, he comes from Crete, which is this beautiful island in Greece where, yes, if you're ever interested in surfing in Greece, you can surf there. There are at least two surf schools. Um, and, and also, you know, you can do your free uh, traveling uh, and, and, and experiencing a safari there. And Crete has very unique traditions compared to the rest of Greece. And what they have also is they, they drink this alcoholic beverage they call raki. And you know, 10 minutes into our first encounter with who I still actually call Poseidon <laughs> until this day, um, we sat down, we drank Raki, and he told me that he used to be um, traveling the world in ships. He was a seaman. And and it, it only came to me to ask him if he were to do me the honors to personify in that film series Posidona. Brilliant. The god of the god of waters to kind of listen to the beginning of my story and to send me off to the odyssey around the world. Wow, 
and share his wisdom with us. So this is basically the first stepping stone um, is to go to Greece and start video recording um, him and, and the Greek waters and then travel down to France where I will meet this wonderful being. He calls himself the Serp Doctor. Uh-huh. He's a Biarritz. His name is uh, Guillaume. And uh, he actually prescribes to people having an exhaustion or a burnout or a mental illness. He prescribes them no actual physical, you know, medication other than go to surf. Really? That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it sounds then, so exciting. I'm excited very much too. And and I realized that during the process of me saying yes to that unique adventure, so many beautiful beings came onto my path. Um, one of them being that blind surfer, Derek Rabello from Brazil. And um, the other one being the world-renowned big wave rider who almost had... Um, no, did not almost. He did have a, a, a near-death experience, and that was his awakening, so to say, to the spiritual understanding of life and having his story being sound. And individuals such as that, it, they don't, they are not all going to be just surfers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be just water aficionados, so mm. to say. Mm, that's beautiful. That sounds so exciting. Well, you must, you must um, keep us posted on when this is going to come out, and if you're running a crowdfunding campaign or or whatever to to, to get you set off for this extraordinary experience. Well, I already sense such a community uh, feeling generated from you and your kindness and your generosity, and that's why I'm so grateful for you that you are doing this podcast right now and. Um, that I feel every person, no matter where they are, can can you know dive into um, what you are bringing here forth. I feel that is such a deep, 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 deep gift that you're offering to oh, us. Thank, thank you, you for thank doing that. You. Well, thank you, <laughs> thank you. I really don't know what to say after that. <laughs> um, I'm very humbled um, and very grateful for your for your kind words. I just wanted to know if you remember what you felt when you caught your first wave i'm just closing my eyes to really <laughs> access that in my data storage of memories um, <laughs> <laughs> what i felt was the joy probably that i hadn't had ever since i was five years old i felt i'm flying and i felt that at the same time i could do anything I am limitless, but also humbled because this is not just my own working. This is a sacred synergy that is happening right now. And I remember then after that, it made sense to me that what my elders were telling me, they pointed out to the yin and yang in life, to the feminine and masculine, and that in nature, it's always there. And what initially was an abstract understanding made sense to me in an embodied integral experience was that you know if the masculine form is that of the action that of the doing that of the linear focus then yes they're right i focused to where the lineup was and in one straight line as good as i could i paddled out and upon the arrival of the wave also as, as fast as I could, I paddled to create that inertia. 
but from that complete deep connectivity with the masculine force of like go 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 do 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 it became a state of be now let go now allow her to guide you and for somebody who after that experience that i shared earlier became a control freak the act of surrendering was one of my biggest learnings in my life mm. to trust and i think this is the magic that i took from one of my very first surfing experiences yeah that's amazing so it really creates the balance between the feminine and the masculine as you're saying being on that wave and surrendering oh that's beautiful i so love that way of defining what surfing is it's just so beautiful it's beautifully coined. <laughs> <quite. laughs> Thank you. Anyway, that's lovely. Just before we sort of part, maybe you could finish if you're up to it. I have these mm -hmm. four sentences. It's a bit like the, um, what's his name? The guy who does the actor's studio kind of thing. At the end of his interview, he always does these Chinese portraits. Well, for me on the Ocean Riders podcast, it's just four sentences to finish. So the first sentences I love. The divine. Brilliant. I miss. The water. <laughs> I wish. That you become aware of how magnificent your unique being is to all that is. And I want a house in Malibu. <laughs> <That's>, yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yes. That's where the ego came from. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful i love that and you know what we just did it was so magnificently exactly because of the example we shared before of the masculine and the feminine you know the masculine <laughs> offering the structure and then taking over the feminine is you offered to me such a beautiful structure with your four beautiful universal questions and then I had no idea what came out. I was surprised, <laughs> <laughs> but I surrendered to that. It was so beautiful. Oh yeah, that's see, we just ulcer. We yeah. just ulcer. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So now to go into the nitty gritty, how do we get hold of you, and how can we sort of follow what you're doing and enroll for a coaching session, or you know, ask you to come over and do a talk or whatever? Just tell us how to get in touch with you. Would love to. So if you don't meet me in person, in the water, and say aloha, anything like that, because I'm a big supporter of the analog experience. <laughs> you can actually cyber surf and check out my website. It's www.alexandralia.com. So Leah, L-I-A dot com. Or you can check out my Instagram account, which is, I think, an ode to life and water in itself. It's Alia, and then the subline is Soul Surfer. And yeah, you can write me a message and see if we can meet up for a private coaching or a public speaking or a workshop. And most of the workshops that I've really, really, really grown fond of were usually also held at serve lodges or serve schools where we did a holistic experience. You know? So every, any kind of surf aficionado who is perhaps either running a surf school or wants to co-create a workshop there um, all in and if you want to talk to me about the creation of the film series please feel free to do so I don't know yet if maybe Netflix will be interested in that or if I'm going to crowdfund it but I know that there are options as there's salt in the ocean 
Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you, Alexandra, for being such an amazing guest. This has been a mind-blowing conversation. And I really thank you for your time and your vulnerability and your honesty in actually sharing everything that you've shared with us today. And I'm really grateful for that. I thank you again for creating this podcast series. This is so helpful and meaningful to so many people and for allowing me to be that transparent and giving me that sensation that I'm in a trusted environment. This is a co-creation. This is a synergy that we just came to do so. So I'm extending my appreciation and my honoring to you. And I would like to salute you in the words of... uh, Hawaiian words, mahalo, meaning thank you. And in Greek, it's efkaristan. And to me, for now, you are the ohana, the family, the extended family connected by joint values. Oh, that's so sweet. Wow, that was a mind-blowing conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Alexandra is a truly beautiful person and has an amazing project with her Citizens series. To connect with Alexandra, you can skip to her website. It's www.alexandralea.com or her Instagram account. Just look up Alexandra Lea. Links to her meditation podcast and YouTube videos are also on the show notes of your podcasting app on theoceanriderspodcast.com and on the article I publish on medium.com. Thank you so much, Alexandra, for being an amazing guest and for sharing your story with so much grace and confidence. And I guess you could say that's a wrap. This was the final episode of season one of the Ocean Riders podcast. I'll be back for season two in September with a bunch of new episodes. Season two will kick off with a bang. Mr. Sunset, a.k.a. Jeff Hackman, is joining me for a chat. For the few who don't know who he is, Jeff Hackman is a surfing champ legend and the co-founder of Quicksilver USA and Quicksilver Europe. He is surfing incarnated and he's accepted my invitation. Our conversation is a gem of surfing history and a great behind the scenes insight into one of the biggest surfing brands in history. So stay tuned for September and subscribe to the podcast so as not to miss out once the episode comes out. The Ocean Riders podcast is a passion project and as such you can support it in a number of ways. Number one, you can share the love for this podcast on iTunes by giving it a few stars or a review. Better still, you can subscribe. Anything in this direction increases my ranking and lets more people hear about my fascinating guests. Number two, comment and join the conversation on social media. You will find links to my social media accounts on theoceanriderspodcast.com. And alternatively, you can connect with me on Instagram at the Ocean Riders Podcast, on Facebook at the Ocean Riders Podcast, or on Twitter at Imi Podcast. Number three, join me for an episode. Just send an email to hello at theoceanriderspodcast.com with a quick link or a quick bio and I'll take care of the rest. So season one was a blast. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did making these episodes. Special thanks to all my wonderful guests for sharing their stories, to my podcast editor, Isabella Blanca Palangan, and last but not least, to you guys for listening and showing up every week. You guys are the best. Until September, take care, have fun and enjoy the waves. Ciao.